This is The CW Spiral, a podcast run by three survivors of the CW's colon in 2022. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden, bringing you history about the network and the WB, the latest news and in-depth sportable discussions of the best and messiest shows to ever grace the small screen. <sighs> okay. So we're starting this pod off with a bit of a rant. Um, I need to get something off my chest, and it has to do with the lack of the CW news. All the other broadcasters, we are just a clucking about what's coming, but the CW, quiet. No announcements. Don't even know what's going on with the new shows. I need someone to at least put the door on a crack because I'm losing my mind every time I search for news and it's just <laughs> it's just WWE NXT or AEW. <laughs> Not AEW. What is the other one? NWA. There we That's go. That's the one. For a moment, my mind went totally blank. <laughs> um, you know, seeing the WWE NXT doesn't bother me that much because it's the littlest bit of news we can get. But it is kind of disheartening because we thought the CW was out in front of this because they had content. Obviously, it was um, acquired content, but they had content nonetheless. Now the rest of the networks are getting back in the game and crickets with the OGCW shows because there's only four of them next year there may only be three if we're lucky and that's that yeah where do we go from there it's just quiet 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 it is I mean I do understand that filming isn't supposed to start for on the all-american shows until um December for the flagship and then January for a homecoming and then Superman and Lois is also in January so maybe that's the news that's going to come but when NBC ABC Fox and CBS are just to sing in the tunes I can I get a mid-season schedule Mo if you have the lever just re- I don't even care if it, it misses the pot episode. <laughs> it's just to release the mid-season schedule as a Christmas present. That'd be nice. Luck yeah, that, that would be nice. Yeah. It, but your face read is saying, uh, Daddy. I doubt it. Like, I don't. I don't see them announcing dates for any of these shows. I just. I don't. I. I want it, but. I don't, for some reason, it feels different with the other networks that I'm announcing, like, oh, we'll be back in February. I, I just, I don't, I wish they would do that on the CW, but like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, it'll be April for CW shows. So maybe we're going to get a nice January slide into the new year. I don't know. I'm just complaining because I want news. Yeah. <laughs> we'll not <laughs> kick off the new year with good news. We'll just kick off the new year with some news. We'll take it. Yes. Definitely we'll take it. But okay, rant over. I'm just gonna like put the box away and bring <laughs> out the couch actually, because we're having <laughs> a green table talk about cliffhangers. Um, defining them really, because one of the things that we did notice as the, sh- the shows were sunsetting, whether they got unfairly canceled or we already knew that they were um, sunsetting, there was a lot of discussion of being left on the hook. And is it controversial to say that not when people know what a cliffhanger actually is? No, because it's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's what this talk is about. <laughs> because it, was, it was a lot. We we kept a lot to ourselves as we were seeing everybody react to the way the different shows were ending, particularly, um, was that May 2022? Uh, yes. yes. And, Never forget. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, a, there were egregious cliffhangers, and then there was just 
it ended in with a little something nice to lead us into a new season if they were going to get one. But let's define it. Reed, how would you define a cliffhanger? I so we when we first conceptualized this episode, we looked at the actual definition of cliffhanger and it was <laughs> it was not as crystal clear as I was hoping it would be. It's like very ambiguous and vague. It's like an episode with suspense and it's like we could have, you know, we could have kept going with that definition. But for me, I always imagine it as the actual word itself, cliffhanger. I I visualize somebody hanging on a cliff and we don't know if they fall. Like that's where the episode ends. They're on a cliff. That's to me a classic cliffhanger is life or death stakes. Doesn't always have to be life or death, but like the stakes are higher. And it's not just like a question. It can be a question, but it's not just a simple question that we don't know the answer to. It's very huge. That's to me like this a cliffhanger is high, high stakes. That's why sometimes when people say, Oh, it's a cliffhanger, and I'm like, I, I don't agree, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people confuse cliffhanger and open endings. I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Um, like to use an example of uh, Batman the animated series. And like in an ending of a random episode, the Joker would die and Batman would be like, the Joker's gone. But then you'd hear the laughter off in the distance. So you'd know he's still out there. You'd know he's going to come back. But that's not really a cliffhanger. It's just leaving it open for a future storyline. However, if there was an episode where Batman fell into a vat of chemicals and then it said to be continued, that would be a cliffhanger. The classic Batman 1966 TV series used to end constantly with, will Batman and Robin get out? Find out next, tomorrow night, same bat time, same bat channel. That was a cliffhanger. And then the second episode would wrap up the storyline and maybe have an open ending. But the cliffhanger is when the stakes are at their highest. And I th I feel like we have been so overexposed to open endings or cliffhangers, especially in the last year and a half with all of the CW endings, that it does make you feel, is that a cliffhanger? Is that an open ending? Does this show feel like it got cut short or did it leave us wanting more? You know what I mean? I feel like when you bring up this conversation, there are so many things you want to take into account. And when you get over the initial like sadness of a show getting cancelled prematurely, you can sit and look at it and think, was it supposed to end there? Could it have ended there? Was that quite a decent ending? And was there a need for a cliffhanger? Was there a need for an open ending? Or are we happy it just wrapped up altogether? For sure. So that would be, okay, just thinking about the finales that we recently ranked. Um, there is, um, Walker Independence would be open ending. Yeah. And like low stakes, we just saw Tom's dad. Really, that's fine. Because it could have been, if they were going to do one, a spinoff for Tom. Uh, it is the type of ending where you, you want more. But if you didn't get more, it's fine. And we didn't get more, still better about it. And then Legends yeah, of Tomorrow like was a big cliffhanger. For Walker Independence, I feel like it would have been a cliffhanger if we didn't know who Tom was talking to. Mm -hmm. Like if he, he was sitting by the fire, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And his dad walks up to him. And like if we didn't know who it was, if he was just like, oh, it's you, fade to black, and we don't know who it was, I feel like that would be a cliffhanger. But to me, it's not really a cliffhanger that we don't see his dad's face because they just didn't cast him. Like, that's fine. <laughs> it doesn't change it. it. Like, unless we... It would have been bigger if, like, the dad reveal was somebody that we knew from the show and they revealed that. But to me, it's not a cliffhanger that we don't see his dad because we know 
that's his dad. But I guess the cliffhanger esque, the open endedness that people are going on about is like, oh, we don't know what happens next. And it's like, well, duh, that's what a TV show is, kind of. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that was a little brutal. <laughs> <laughs> but accurate, accurate. No, I know what you mean. Um, I think that's one that kind of kept us on edge in a good way. It was very well designed. And Sabrina, you brought up Legends of Tomorrow, for example. That was a great cliffhanger. Unfortunately, it came at the wrong time because. Nobody wanted the show to end like that. Don't get me wrong. This is Legends of Tomorrow. It was a tongue-in-cheek kind of uh, show for the last five seasons off the drawn. And to see the Legends finally get the Wave Rider back, so close to a happy ending, and then they're arrested by the time police, and all of them literally look at each other and go, oh, and put their face into the floor, and they're just cut to black. That's a very in-character for Legends of Tomorrow. That's a good cliffhanger. The problem is we're never going to find out what comes next, because it wasn't designed to be the end of the series. But I... I, I've been thinking about this a lot. I cannot fault it as a cliffhanger. It was a pretty great ending. I think, Reed, did you compare that to like a Seinfeld kind of ending? Very comedic, very like, um, here we go again, kind of like a, a vibe to it. We know even off screen, the legends will get out of that scenario. It's a great cliffhanger. And I do think in all the conversations we've had over this last year and a half, I nearly said years that we nearly are coming up on years. Um, it's it's kind of easy to get lost in the fact that the show shouldn't have ended there. But it's a pretty good ending when you think about it, at least for a season anyway. Mm, That's true. I think that one of the things that we all struggle with when it comes to cliffhangers in terms of deciding what's me wanting to know more and what's me not letting the story end. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. a prime example would be the Winchesters. I think there was an argument after the finale aired that like, Oh, but there's more. I was like, yeah, that's the, but that's the clearest end I think any of the CW shows had, right? Like besides the ones that like they knew they were getting a, a series finale, they just, it just really feels complete. Limited series were done like roll the credits. Yeah, like of course you could open it back up. Like that's again what a TV show is, but the way that you left, the way that they left it, it's kind of like oh, well, that's a fine, like, we know they're going to at least be okay. I think to me, that's what separates a cliffhanger from a non-cliffhanger is that, like, if we leave them there, it's fine. It could continue, but, like, we know they'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing with the Winchesters that really surprised me because it really did feel like it completely wrapped up almost. Um, we, the three of us watched the Stargirl finale. That would be like a 95% solid ending because it, the present day narrative left something slightly open-ended. Courtney and Cameron looked like they maybe would finally get together. Uh, the bad guys had been defeated. Um, Artemis killed that man by setting him on fire. So there was a, a lot of open-ended slash cliffhanger stuff there. And then we jumped 10 years into the future and found out everyone lived happily ever after. The JSA is greater than ever and they're off to fight their next adventure. I don't think you could get more final than that, considering that show was cut short. So I would thought that was a great ending with enough open endings in there that, again, like Reed said, with the Winchesters, if they ever go back in there, they can open it back up. But the Winchesters was the one that caught me off guard because you're right, Sabrina. I do think that was the most final off them all. No reason to go back in there. It's tied. The bow is wrapped. It's just it's completely done. And I think that was a good end. And I think that was a wise choice because we have said a lot that the creatives of all of these shows, some of them maybe didn't see the writing on the wall. Some of them maybe did and still gambled with it. and It worked out wrong. Whereas I think the Winchesters was a solid end because the odds were not in its favor. And the only cliffhanger thing about that was like, oh, 
that's it. That's it. Like we could go back there. You're like, oh, didn't expect that. It left us wanting more in the right kind of way in that it's actually all right if it doesn't come back. And it didn't. So it was the right decision in the end. So you can't really fault it when you think of it like that. Can we talk about Tom Swift? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't I don't remember now what we said when we reacted to that uh series finale although i know i was very vocal in saying the end to me was a sleigh but i feel like and i haven't watched the episode since we watched it so i don't know if i'm looking back with rose colored lenses but was it really a cliffhanger i think it's a topic for discussion was that a cliffhanger because it we learn new information but now that we're like discussing the definition of a cliffhanger, I'm like. It is suspenseful, but what the the new information provided us with an answer to a series long question. The, and the, they could have expanded on, but with it ending the way that it did, especially knowing more about Tom's father, you're like, hmm. If he got stuck in the future, then so be it. Like it was yeah. one of those, one of those things. I just, I think you're right. Actually, I think that's probably why the cliffhanger ending is so satisfying because it really is just it toes the, the line. Question. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's the Venn diagram of cliffhangers. <laughs> like it's right <laughs> in the middle because it's like, it's technically it's a cliffhanger, but also it's not. It leaves us with questions, but not questions that are. It's not like, oh, what's Tom's fate? It's like, we know, I don't know. I can't explain it. But to me, it's like, it can go either way. Yeah. I think that's the perfect example of one that kind of, like you said, toes the line. Because I'm pretty, this entire pod episode came about because Reed said about a year ago, a cliffhanger can be a serve. And then after we watched And a week ago, when we dropped our last episode is when Sabrina was like, wait, Reed, you said (laughs) we need it. Did I say we need to come together as a society and decide what a cliffhanger is? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but then when the Tom Swift one came along, I remember the three of us messaging each other afterwards, like, that is how you do a serve of a cliffhanger. And I just thought that it brought that philosophy that you came up with, Reed, to life perfectly because you're right, there is a healthy balance there. I think it was designed to be a cliffhanger because obviously there was supposed to be a second season. But as an ending, as an open ending, it just works so well because there is some resolution, but there is also more questions are created. And you're like, sure, the stakes are high in those questions. Um, but like you said, now we don't really care about Barton as much after everything that we learned. We're like, you know what? That's pretty darn satisfying. If you got a comic book that ended on a cliffhanger like that and was never picked back up, that would have been awesome. Um, I think a television, because a television is an ongoing medium, we always expect there to be a follow-up. And don't get me wrong, there was supposed to be, obviously. But like, it really works. It really does. And I do think we've had, we talked about our series finales pod on the, on the pod special pod. And we said about, and we ranked the shows that got the perfect ending really, really high. But there is a lot to be said for, and I don't want to sound like a hypocrite and saying taking a gamble because that's what worked against legends in my opinion, but it really worked well for Tom Swift. And the show was kind of that little show that could, that not enough people were talking about. And I remember the reaction to that cliffhanger online. A lot of people were like, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. And it brought the mystery to life really, really well. Unfortunately, we'll never get to see where it went. But you know what? It went out and made us talk about it. And I really, really liked that. 
I think it's all about satisfaction too. Mm-hmm. I think that is what makes a good cliffhanger slash open ending for a series. It just depends on did we answer the right question that opened more doors in a way that if we didn't get the answers to the doors that are opened, you'd still be okay. I think when that's when that's not the case, it's it's not satisfying. Uh an example would be the Roswell, New Mexico series finale, uh, which just ends with Max going back to his home planet to rectify uh, something. I forget what. There's some a lightning thing that never really quite made sense in this story. But it leaves Liz back on Earth without her love and crying at the end. I think she's sadly eating pancakes or something. <laughs> <laughs> like So, uh, of course... A lot of people who ship the two or just really invested in Liz's story hated that ending. Because it's like, okay, so what you're telling me is that this show ends with her man being on another planet trying to fix something while she's back on Earth and can't help him. And that's the end of Liz Urteco's story. And it's like, ooh. I mean, I, I've not watched it. I believe I watched a clip of the ending. And it's like, oh, romantic, romantic. Ooh, heartbreak. Right? <laughs> so like, it's, like, that's enough for me. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I love a good sadness plot, but not as a series ending. <laughs> like, I feel like as a series ending, we should feel something that isn't utter devastation for uh, the, the lead character. And so for me, Ros- the Rosamund Mexico ending would be the kind that is like, oh, yeah, it's open ending. Yeah, it's cliffhanger. If they've got another season, they could, you know, send Liz to the home planet or Max come back and there's some dire situation happening in the town. But like, would you want to watch the story after what they did at the end of the series finale? I know the showrunner had said he left it open just in case they would do like a, a, like a reboot or some type of movie. And I was like, sir, in this economy? But like, we said this before. We need them to stop planning for ten years in the future. <laughs> <laughs> like, please just tell your story and don't think ahead. Because YOLO, you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. everything you were saying, Sabrina reminded me of the Veronica Mars season four finale. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I know. At the time, I was like, I don't get it. Why is everybody mad? It's fine. But then, like, you have to sit with it and realize that, like, oh yeah, why? Why does the future of the storytelling hinge on this woman's sadness? Mm-hmm. It, it no, we don't know. Like, come on, I don't know. We don't need to do that in order to make compelling mm-hmm. stories. Because uh, not actually compelling uh, for like. So sorry to the Veronica Mars fans because. Even if I think even if you didn't ship that relationship, but you're just really into Veronica, like that's how you decided to leave her. Just trauma. Yeah, that's- originally I was like, it sounds bad, but I was like, I didn't really like them together. So I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm watching it for her anyway, not even thinking about. I don't know. It didn't register to me in the moment that like that choice did not have Veronica's best interests in mind. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that girl had been through enough in the first three seasons. Like, <laughs> she didn't need that. Especially after they got married, like, the day before. It's very soap opera of them. It's like, it truly is very soap opera of them. Like, they had been waiting to do that for 10 years. Like, they had, she was like, okay, now we can get married. 
And the second she makes a decision, you kill her husband. This is not what this episode was about. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's a great point because uh, off what Sabrina said and what you said, um, first of all, I haven't seen the original Roswell ending. Hate, hate sound of the New Mexico ending. I really do. Um, but uh, I think the whole point when you're constructing a good cliffhanger, you have to ask is, does it serve the characters well? You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. If you're doing something for the sake of generating buzz, if you're doing something for the sake of um, making people tune in to the next season that, as we know, in this situation may never come, is it worth it? Because I, I keep going back. The Legends finale was a decent season finale cliffhanger. They could have done that any of the seven years that show was on the air because you knew it was going to come back for another season. If you have the end of the show in the palm of your hands or, or you're any other network and it's yet to be renewed, if you're doing a cliffhanger ending that doesn't serve the characters well, at the end of the day, we one of the, I don't even want to call it a constant because it was very back and forth in all the CW finales. One of the ongoing themes with all of the CW finales is we've been satisfied by some of those finales, even if they felt a bit rushed because they did the characters well. And we've been very dissatisfied by some of the other shows that did have a full season to plan their endings and still didn't manage to serve their characters well. So it is an ongoing question. And I think it's it's fair for people to get frustrated if the cliffhanger feels like it doesn't carry any extra weight that that can like help the characters. Like the Tom Swift one, for example. Yeah, open up a whole new can of worms, but it gives Tom a new mission and it gives him hope that he can rescue his father. That is a good cliffhanger because there's hope there. Because I remember that finale, he was trying to desperately save his dad and he ran out of time. He thought there was no going back. And then suddenly this opportunity was presented to him. It was like, oh, it all begins again. The Batwoman season finale, a perfect season finale end that tied up everything. She got everything back and then this new villain surfaces. Oh, it all begins again. A cliffhanger that takes away something from characters that you spent years falling in love with and don't doesn't give them anything in return, doesn't give them any opportunity to go from it. That's a cheap cliffhanger in my opinion. Um, and it doesn't serve the story well, especially if you're not going to get another season to tell that story that you wanted to tell in the first place. And we're not like advocating for writers to be scared of being doing something shocking. It's just that shocking mm -hmm. has to make sense. Like it can't be like you said, Michael, just to create buzz for them to do, for the media to go running and doing articles about so-and-so got shot. Are they going to live? Like, you, yes, you can do those endings. And I think those endings do serve a purpose in the story. Um, but at the same time, in the climate that the CW was in, there were choices that were made for certain shows that just should not have been made. Um, I don't think there was anything, and please correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm, I'm, I might be blanking. I don't think there was anything necessarily egregious. Like the Legends of Tomorrow one is upsetting for fans, but like as an ending for the series, it's not the best one, but it's not the worst thing that could have possibly happened. Mm -hmm. Like in essence, like it's not one of the shows that got, a show that got canceled after someone was on their deathbed or, and so you don't know whether they live or die, live or die, or you assume the character was dead. And now you don't know if they're going to be coming back because they've seen be seeding that, but now we, there's no way to tell. Unless of course the show when it pops out, I was like, here's what we were going to do mm -hmm. if we had gotten greenlit. Yeah, and with that's a good example because with legends at the end of the day, you know they're going to get out of that caper. You know they will. It'll just you'll just not see it happen. They've gotten out of worse before. They'll get out of that. So I know what you mean, and because of the tone of the show, it does kind of work. I do feel like if you bought the complete box set and was like, oh, there's no more episodes after that, and you're like, huh? Well, yeah, that's kind of in line for the show. So it's frustrating, but it doesn't feel as 
unlegends like as you think whereas like you said with veronica mars and um, with roswell new mexico those endings can can kind of feel you leaving a little bit empty inside um so it is kind of like striking the balances and like what would the fans of this show want what would the fans of this show deserve of course legends deserve the second in the season so i'm not arguing with that but i mean like is it something that services the show that cliffhanger in legends would have serviced the show any other season um, and it is also about not knowing when to pull that thread. Like you said, it's not about not taking risks or anything, but we have mid-season finales for that as well sometimes, and they serve as brilliant cliffhangers. Um, like the Arrow season four finale, or mid-season finale, Oliver's limousine was st stopped and someone shot into it, and then suddenly Felicity was harmed, and it made it look like she was going to die in that mid-season finale. She didn't, and then they had to spend the rest of the season with repercussions from that. But that does create some story that they can actually tell, where sometimes when you have a huge cliffhanger like that at the end of a season that you don't know you're going to get renewed for, you're like, was it worth putting that character's life in danger for no reason? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I'd be interested to hear from the Charmed fans because mm. I remember we didn't go there, but um, I remember watching the final scene of Charmed season. It was four seasons, right? Yeah. CW's Charmed. And it was this, the new Charmed ones ended up in the Hallowell house. That's what their name was. Hallowell, the original Charmed ones. Yes. And I think that's how it ends. They're just like in the house and they're like, where are we? So I'm curious, like, it's cliffhanger-esque, but I'm like, I don't know within the context of the story they were telling what that moment means. So that's one that I'd be, like, really interested to hear, like, what fans think about that, the fans of the, the old Charmed and the fans of the new Charmed. Like, was that a maddening cliffhanger? Because it seemed like they were just getting into... Although I feel like I read in an interview that that was like a that connecting the shows was kind of like an effort to save the show a little bit i don't know fans fact checked me in the comments <laughs> i feel like i read that <laughs> but it would have worked I, I think. yeah i would really be interested to hear from fans if that was like a a big moment or if it was just like leaving the door open for a potential new direction to go in because mm -hmm. it is a big thing to connect the mythologies of both shows and very exciting. much so mm -hmm. and it does make you wonder if it was done to like you know the way when you're like okay well when you can't do something it's very easy to say uh, sit there and say well we can kind of do it now since we don't really have to go there like it does make you wonder if there was is there an alternate timeline out there where a fifth season of charmed would have been the ultimate crossover between the two was that ever an option on the table or did they just do that now because the gloves were off and they could make it happen I do. It does make you wonder. Um, we're in this era now where, like, it's very hard for TV shows to like stand their ground and make an impact in the short amount of time they're on the air. And you're like, remember in the era, like, the, the Charmed one reminds me of that, where like, when a show you didn't know a show was going to get cancelled, so it kind of went all out to try and blackmail the network and to continue in the show and renew it. And it's like, this this show is going to be so different in season three or season four if you pick us up. But we'll show you. Nine times out of ten, it didn't work, but. It's, a, it's an interesting period of history to look back on because it feels like we are kind of going there again with the Legends open ending, with the Charmed open ending. It's like, look what we could have had. But at the end of the day, with the CW, that was out of the network's control. Some things had to go. And I don't think convincing them that we were going to have a more ambitious net, net upcoming season would have worked. You know, it didn't work for those shows, but it yeah. still feels like a full circle moment for TV.
Yeah, back in the day, you could try to bully the network <laughs> with yeah, a cliffhanger, <laughs> mobilize your fandom with that cliffhanger. But I think we're past that, unfortunately. Well, especially on the CW, um, the yeah. the numbers are not numbering like the other networks. So the idea yeah, they took the the CW. I feel like used to have like a a comment box, like in the front of like if it's a store, they had like a share your thoughts with us. They removed that box. Mm-hmm. They did. It's no longer accessible but <laughs> they're I do, not listening to us <laughs> no not at all I, I do think the the play toward even teasing that the hollowells would be in the next season would have worked in a, pre, a different era at least in terms of drawing more people to the charmed season five premiere if they had gotten one like even if it didn't go beyond that i think the numbers probably would have ticked up just to see where they were going obviously there's drama involving the OG in in the new show but um it creatively it I felt like it was a new direction for the show to go in had next star been interested mm-hmm. uh, I just I kind of wish they were would have been but I do understand charmed was one of the lower performing shows so even if there had been a bit of a chance they wouldn't have been the ones to have gotten the green light but still do let us know what y'all thought about the series finale of Charmed, if you hated it, if you liked it, if you felt like it should, the two, the OG and the, the new show should have never, ever crossed paths. I mean, because I think for some people, the OG Charmed is sacred and they didn't want, even if they did enjoy the new one, they didn't want the two to share plots or any type of connective tissue. Yeah, I want to know, like, was that ending, like, a cliffhanger to you? Or was that just like, oh, okay. Or would the bigger cliffhanger have been if the girls walked into the house and they're like, who are you? And we don't see who it is. Mm-hmm. Or if they say, who are you? And we actually do see who it was. And it was one of the three original girls. Like would that, have, which one of those is the biggest cliffhanger for the fans? Cause it feels like either it's very, I don't know if we're ever going to come to a, a consensus of like what a cliffhanger is because it's so such a, I don't think it's black and white as much as I want to try to make it to be. I know. <laughs> There's gray areas, and um, I guess it, your mileage may vary. True. And I think but that's the also... purpose of us trying, of us talking about it and, like, dissecting the fingers and also trying to bring us all back together so that words can stop losing meaning. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I think it's also important when you do the who are you and you get, you get to see the person. It depends on who the person is. Because Mm -hmm. with Charmed, I think any of the sisters, yes. But if it was Prue, I think that would have just blew the internet up. You know, especially Mm -hmm. because we all know what happens to Prue. So if if they're like, what timeline are we in that she's alive? um, Oh, well, if you have not through the OG Charmed, I feel like you should know what happens to Prue. (laughs) (laughs) The statute of limitations is up on spoilers. <laughs> yes. But to circle back to something that Michael had said about mid-season cliffhangers, uh, to me, the king of them was the Flash on the CW. Um, just truly perfect from seasons one to three 
when it comes to the way that they would leave you on the hook, whether it's the mid-season one or the season uh, finale. My favorite of all of them is from season two. And I don't think that's a mid-season finale, but the um, it's when Barry disintegrates. Yeah. Like it's just, I watched it live and I lost my absolute mind. I I did not expect it. The CGI, the visual effects was truly on point. I don't think anyone has ever disintegrated on the CW before in that manner. Uh, so it was just, it was compelling. It was one of the best episode endings I think the show had ever done. They ruined it when they ran the promo. Um, because one of the things that The Flash wasn't good at was not immediately telling you that someone's going to be okay (laughs) like I just like obviously Grant was the lead he was not going to die in season two of the flash but I think they could have kept us on the hook more to see what was going to happen rather than immediately showing us the runaway dinosaur promo that's the one time I'd advocate for not showing the audience the promo for next week oh yeah that would have been a good idea like sometimes when a show has a serious end and there's no music on the end credits that would have been a good idea because it would have made it more serious and more final i know what you mean when when you roll the dice on that with a main character in the middle of a season or even towards the end of a season it does raise questions obviously i guess we know the flash is not going to die in the flash but every time something happened to barry Every all the comics fans were like, "Is this where they're going to bring in a new Flash? Will there be a Wally West? Will there be a, um, a Jay Garrick? Will somebody else take over as a speedster?" So there were enough questions there that they absolutely could have gotten away with teasing us, like, "Is Barry really dead?" That was an incredible ending, and the, you're right, the Flash absolutely could make you feel like that constantly throughout its run. A lot of people have questioned the, the reasons that I don't feel the same about the later seasons. And that's one of the many reasons why The Flash could make you feel anything in a random episode in its first three seasons. And unfortunately, in its back half, it wasn't really capable of doing that. So the stakes were so high in the show. Another example, wasn't the biggest fan of the Iris being a damsel in distress in season three storyline. However, the mid-season finale, when Barry accidentally ran straight into the future by accident and just seen Savitar there with the knife ready to stab her, he saw the street name, he knew the date, and he was like, he had to spend the rest of the season thinking, how do I prevent this future from happening? That was incredible because it really changed the game for season three. It just goes to show you how a random episode with the right kind of cliffhanger can really change direction. It can change focus and it can raise excitement. And that show was a master at doing it. I'm not sure if there was ever any show on the CW. The Vampire Diaries in its early seasons was very good as that as well because every episode felt like it left you wanting more. It, it, it had a perfect juggling between open endings and cliffhangers and if a show, I just don't think there are enough shows on TV that can do that anymore. Obviously, a procedural show has a cliffhanger-esque ending to make you want to tune into the next one, which is usually a different, completely different kind of adventure. But those early CW shows really, really played fast and loose with a lot of those cliffhangers that more often than not paid off. I miss that era of television so much. Dynasty 2, you were just mm-hmm. talking, it reminded me, I've been thinking about the season 2 finale when they, Blake and Crystal are getting married and then Fallon storms the wedding and then they discover the two bodies that were in the lake and the Carrington property and then Adam had knocked out Liam and he fell into the pool we don't know if he drowns to death like that was like one of the biggest like oh but even season one with the fire and um was it Alexis shooting Crystal we don't know if she Mm -hmm. lived or died it was like a whole mess that shit like even in Dynasty like there are certain episodes and later on they did kind of um, when they morphed into like sitcomy soap, they had more like standalone ish episodes where like the there would be obviously the through line, but the plot 
like Fallon would have her like, oh, I'm going to, this is how I'm going to screw up this week, <laughs> but yep. we're going to wrap it up by the end. But they were like week by week, still always those like wild cliffhangers. I mean, it's a soap at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Jane the Virgin too. I know Sabrina was a fan of Jane the Virgin. Yes, but I cannot remember a cliffhanger right now. Oh, wait, no, Constantly. I can't. The season Someone one was falling downstairs. <laughs> no, I, the season one finale, I believe, is when her son gets stolen. I think yeah. that's the uh, Mateo. She just gave birth. They went to go do, the, I guess, the checking that they do with an infant, a newborn, a newborn, and the nurse just was there Bridget right Regan? The, I think it was Bridget Regan. <laughs> I think that's also when we find out she's Sinestro. I believe that's that's how yeah. That was, goes. Wasn't her name like Rose too or something? It was a whole yes. Thing. It was a tangled web that they were weaving, and it was a delicious one. It's a it's a ride. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> but uh, you brought up um, the Vampire Diaries and the season one finale. Oh, masterpiece! Oh, but incredible. What happens in it? I watched it last year and I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so Damon and Elena have the moment on the porch, and the, of course the Delana. Oh, is it the Catherine? It's no. the Catherine reveal. reveal. Yeah, we don't do that too much anymore on TV. Now that I'm thinking about it, that was just again another time when the whole fandom was just screaming. Love Catherine Pierce, by the way, wonderful villain. Just truly, Nina, I know Nina ate. Without a doubt. And the thing I love about that cliffhanger is the show got bigger and better as it went on with all its huge end of world stakes, end of supernatural creatures and all of that stuff. And there were more explosions and it carried far more weight. But the thing I loved about that ending is that was a quiet moment. It was slowly building up to it throughout the whole season. It was like, where's Catherine alive? What happened to her? She wasn't in the tomb. And then they defeat the evil of the first season. They overcome the, the danger and everything. And then smack down Catherine's just out of there. No, out of nowhere. She's, she's been there the, the whole time watching. And as soon as she goes, hello, John. Goodbye, John. The scene just cuts off. It just cuts right off. And so it just, ca- even though you're in the like last 41, the, the last minute of the 42 run, minute runtime, and you're like, waiting on something bigger to happen, waiting on something bigger to happen. It just cuts off and it leaves you wanting more. So much so that the season two finale has to pick right back up from it, which is something a lot of TV shows don't do anymore. There's a six month, six month time jump and then they have to reflect on what happened. Ah, oh, va- nobody was doing it like the Vampire Diaries and it's like you've got golden de- years. Mm-mm. That's deli- like just really great television, delicious television. It, I'm feeling nostalgic as we talk about it. Because I do think that in that age of television, that's really what they were aiming for. They wanted to truly have you on the hook in the way that didn't feel cheap, but did like wanted you to to really be invested in the next season. I also think at times was this also the era in which they wouldn't necessarily immediately erase what had happened at the end mm-hmm. of this at the end of the season or the mid-season like either we would jump right back in or even if we skipped forward like the flash skip forward um at the end of so season three he goes into the speed force and the season four premiere is, is what it is so we did jump forward six months but it also opens the door to storytelling that seeded what they could be doing for future seasons they didn't land the plane I will say that, but I do think that was something that was so great about The Flash is that you had the ability to hold to the whatever amount of months it was to wait for the next season and just truly build it up in your mind of what could possibly happen. 
Like, mm-hmm. what direction could we could we go in? And the Vampire Diaries is like that as well. I is one of the season finales, the mid season finales. Uh, Stefan sw- switching his flipping his switch. I think yeah, where season yeah, I think yeah, I think so. Yes, is it? It's one of the early seasons. There's a season finale like that. He's done it before, and you know he's never going to do it again. But then he does. Wait, are we back on the Vampire Diaries? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's done it before. You know he's never going to do it again. But then he does, and you're like, oh, what? What would ever push him to do that? So that's a great cliffhanger. I do think sometimes when a show and the Vampire Diaries runs for seven seasons, eight seasons, and it decides to do similar things a few more, a few times, too many. You saw it with the Flash as well when it goes to the well one too many times, the cliffhanger kind of far less of an impact, far less of a meaning, because you're like, not this again. But again, the Vampire Diaries in its early season, the Flash in its early seasons, absolutely genius pacing, storytelling, that made those moments count in a way that some of the later seasons never really was able to land the plane with. R.I.P. The Flash. <laughs> it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> <laughs> it was but uh so cheap cliffhangers though like what would be the definition of a cheap cliffhanger oh. it just, just it, anything that screams contrived mm. mm-hmm. something designed we've we've kind of talked a little bit about it something designed to intentionally make the audience come back but doesn't follow through on what they were hoping for I did mention to you guys the other day, The Walking Dead, season six finale cliffhanger. Season six, right? Season six. Yeah. Uh, the show had kind of, not to use a dead pun, but everyone thinks the show, the rot started to set in in the midway right through the season sixth season. So they were finally going to bring in Jeffrey Dean Morgan's character as Negan. Um, they, heard, they heard talk of this character called Negan and the fans were going berserk. He's finally coming. He's finally coming. And we find out that in the season finale, they were going to recreate the famous scene of the comic books where Negan kills someone. Um, one of the main characters, but the show took liberties with the material, so you never knew which character was going to end up dead. Um, and then towards the end of the season, you'd hear Negan's infamous whistle. They did a great job setting up the terror of when he would arrive. How is this going to be worse than the previous big bads? They get them in the position, they get the trailer, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan walks out of the trailer with his famous baseball bat, and Negan has arrived. They told us we were going to see the death in the finale. They didn't tell us how we were going to say it. Um, and then Negan does his eeny, meeny, miny, mo with the baseball bat thing and said he's going to have to, they have taken some of his people's lives and in return, he's going to have to take some of theirs. So uh, he battered the cameraman. Um, so after that happened, RIP cameraman was going all around on Twitter. People were like, why not Negan attacking the cameraman? Um, <laughs> Did they it- ever reveal who like what pov that was like who who that was supposed uh, to be? yes um in the season seven premiere it does but the reason that it's not been that well received was because obviously in the season six premiere negan hits the camera it goes down and then now very well filmed it goes down and you can see negan's legs from sideways and then it slowly gets back up and he's oh you have fighting yeah i like that then he hits it again and it goes down again and then you can start to see like the mask of blood f- filling up over the camera um so it was very effective not exactly very Walking Dead, but very effective. But either way, that was the end of it. And then I can't remember if he continued heading it or whatever, and the screen cut to black. Um, 
and everyone thought that was the cheapest of cliffhangers they'd ever seen because yes technically if you read into it the writers followed through and what they said was going to happen but on the other hand they did the exact opposite of that never gave people the answers they made everyone wait all season right to the end promising them this was going to be the resolution and then still didn't give it to them in the finale so you can see why people were a little offended by that when the season seven premiere came around now it did work the, the ratings went way up to 17 million in the season seven premiere so it did work everyone tuned in to see this episode but then they also made us wait because the episode became all about rick's panic over what negan's done and you had to keep flashing back as rick saw visions of all of his friends being killed before you finally saw the real one and most graphic scene the walking dead has ever done i watched it once i will never watch it again um and so we, yeah technically if you like that kind of thing they followed through on it but then just the pacing and the character and development and everything season seven was probably one of the worst seasons it wasn't worth it the ratings plummeted out so looking back on it now it was an interesting exercise but it just felt, felt really cheap it felt like an attempt to capitalize on we've got everyone right here with us to the season six finale let's keep them with us to the season seven premiere yeah see i don't I think with purposefully withholding information is manipulative. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it can work if you do it in a way that isn't isn't manipulative. But I think purposely withholding information. I don't know. Doesn't sit right with me in my soul. Mm -hmm. It's a bad idea. I think also any cliffhanger ends up being cheap if we did it and we wrote ourselves into a hole like whether it's uh you did a shocking death and now you don't know what to do with the characters or you do a scenario like the walking dead did where you you teased everything and now you had you you moved everything to uh, like a, a 12 on the scale and the rest of the season the next season can't compete with it because you think you wrote yourself not necessarily into a corner, but you wrote yourself in such a way that you cannot continue to capitalize on the attention. Mm -hmm. yeah. To me, that makes it a, a cliffhanger cheap because you, you burn too fast. And now what? Yeah. And like cliffhangers that we've seen time and time again, that are like now tropey and cliched, like sometimes like pregnancy reveals can be like, okay how did you change how did you change the way that you did this like um i feel like in sabrina you'll appreciate this i think one of the best cliffhangers was the one tree hill season three finale after nathan and Haley's wedding oh yes driving okay. the limo mm -hmm. off the bridge we don't know who's drowning in that murky murky pond it was barely like the, the screaming <laughs> i just it, we don't know who's pregnant mm -mm. does it end on the screaming i think it ends with uh Haley in her wedding dress off the edge of the bridge screaming for nathan i think i think so ends. yeah i think that's because i i just remember it being so i don't know if evocative is the right word but it just i i just felt her pain. World stop. You're like, yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> I want to say too, that was the last WB season. So I wonder if that was like a, you're taking us to the CW. Oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to be canceled. <laughs> it is quite possible. They also had, they had a car wreck another time, did they? Was that in the season? It was after a dance, I think. There were a lot of motor vehicle incidents, like when Haley was pregnant and she got just 
loud. <laughs> that girl, like nine months pregnant with Jamie, just tumbled over that car. Nothing happened. That's the see. That's another cliche cliffhanger that I. When you come for a main character, and we know that they're just not going to die either because they're number one in the call sheet, and we know they've signed on for the next season. We've seen them filming season the next season. <laughs> Like when Jack got shot in the season two finale in Virgin River, it's like he's not dead. He's not dying. When Fallon got shot in the season four finale, it's like, how are you gonna do Dynasty without Liz? Like, come on. Come on. Mm -hmm. yeah. it. <laughs> but it can also be a little fun though. Just a little bit. Like at the uh mid-season finale of Fire Country is just not Max, that's the name of the actor. <laughs> Bodie. <laughs> uh he's falling in a car just down into I'm assuming it's a river. It was raging down there. It was under a bridge. Um, and so like everyone is just like, obviously, he, well, actually people were concerned he was going to die. I don't know why, but the Google was popping with the, is he dying? It's like, he's number one on the call sheet. No. Wait, Michael, didn't that <laughs> happen with Buck last season on the other Wasn't he like hanging off of? Yeah. And I inappropriately laughed about that scene because it just <laughs> took me out the way that the stunt looked on screen. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness i know sometimes it can be like overly ambitious and ridiculous and done for no reason whatsoever but i also think that sometimes when it's kind of silly like that it also works like in a show like 911 the stakes are high 24 7 that you kind of just get accustomed to these over-the-top uh storylines and there's a soapy element about that that works um i have two 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 that can be considered cheap cliffhangers one worked really well and the other one didn't this is kind of an odd one but since we're about to talk about this product a bit more it feels on brand in WWE in 1996, there was an event called In Your House Buried Alive, and the event, the main event match was literally The Undertaker versus Mankind in a Buried Alive match, the first ever Buried Alive match, where you literally had to bury your opponent. There was a grave and a tombstone and everything, and you had oh. to bury your opponent in soil. Um, the Undertaker won it by covering Mankind in a little bit of soil, but then he was attacked by 10 other superstars who threw him in the grave and literally used a digger to bury him alive. Um and then they were like the way you're just like casually explaining exactly this. Like, <laughs> WWE out of context so much fun it's rocking my world <laughs> and, and they're all like the undertaker's gone the lights go out thunder and lightning happens a lightning strike strikes the grave and all you see is the undertaker's purple glove come up out of the grave going like that there and it just cuts off it's so campy oh, it's so I, over the top for no reason i didn't know wrestling ended with <laughs> it's so it's such a cliffhanger we don't know how he dragged himself out they probably had a big amount or whatever but you know what that shot lives in infamy of the purple glove coming out of the grave like that there i've shared it on twitter constantly maybe you've seen it i don't know but like it's just it's one of the most infamous scenes that worked really well this is a campy wrestling world we buy that the next week the undertaker shows up walks down the aisle and he's perfectly fine um so over it makes total sense he had an outfit change that was the last time you ever saw the purple glove so living in for me for that reason um to use another one involving a grave. This is kind of a reverse cliffhanger. Arrow season four opened with that amazing cliffhanger. The premiere, everybody was happy and then cut six months in the future. Oliver is standing at a grave and Barry from The Flash accompanies him and he's like, I'm sorry, I missed the funeral. And Barry, Oliver's like, it's fine, it's fine. You've got enough going on in your life. And so Arrow spent the whole season trying to figure out who was in the grave. That happened on Dynasty too, remember? Exactly, and I was going to make this comparison. The reason it really worked on Dynasty was just because it it was very high elevated, um, over the top camp, and I feel like there were enough believable situations where characters could end up in jeopardy in that because it's just you took you you took Dynasty like a prime time soap and it worked so well. Arrow wanted to be taken seriously, and good lord, some of the stuff that came after it was horrendous, um, and 
of course, then we find out that it was actually uh, Laurel who died, the Black Canary. Um, she died in the most underwhelming way. Um, the villain killed her so that it would send a message to all the men in her life. So this woman never got to go out in a blaze of glory. Um, exactly, exactly. Um, and the creatives all stood by it. Oh, no, the Black Canary is not Oliver's love interest in this show. Uh, so we'll let him have Felicity. We'll keep her father and on the show. We'll keep her sister on Legends of Tomorrow. But the actual Black Canary character is dead, gone. And to make things even better, we're going to replace her with an original character who's going to be the Black Canary going forward. Was that Katie Cassidy's choice? Uh, no, actually, she said she. they gave her an episode, because she's a lawyer in the show, they gave her an episode where it focused on Laurel beforehand so she could have her big moment where she took Dan, the villain, in court. And everyone's like, yes, Laurel, yes, Laurel. And Katie Cassidy said that she had learned all this legal jargon, excited for this Laurel episode, and they just told her, by the way, you're in the grave. Um... But yeah, so Laurel had her moment. She took the villain Dan using the legal system and then that villain caused a riot in the prison. So she went into prison dressed as Black Canary and he stabbed her with one of Oliver's arrows. So underwhelming, so boring. The big, her big moment was ruined. Um, anyways, two seasons, one and a half seasons later, Laurel, Laurel has been replaced as the Black Canary by new character Dinah. And... Katie Cassidy is back on the show as Black Siren, the evil version of Laurel from Earth 2, who by the end of the run becomes the Black Canary of Earth 2. So what did that cliffhanger accomplish other than killing off a woman to further some men's storylines? That, in my opinion, is a cheap uh, uh, storyline because when they did the Who's in the Grave at the start of it, they actually admitted that they didn't know who it was and they spent the whole season trying to figure it out. So I don't, it had no lasting consequences. It was very poorly received and it was in Arrow's worst season. So that, in my opinion, is the cheapest of cheap cliffhangers because this show wanted to be taken seriously. When it started, it was considered the dark night of the superhero TV world. And then you're off doing this it completely killed the show in my opinion it eventually found its way back but there was no lasting damage from that cliffhanger it accomplished nothing and all it did was turn the fans against that did it need to happen no i remember it reverberated through fandom because people who didn't even watch era were saying things like they shot themselves in the foot like i think there was actual concern if i remember correctly of whether or not they were going to be able to continue on because people mm. were like you can't get rid of Laurel Lance. Like, what is, what was this choice? And they were like sticking behind their, their, um, their creative liberty that the show is really about Oliver. And they were like, yeah, but it's, I know um, people don't like when you make this comparison, but they were like, yeah, but it's like getting rid of Lois in a Superman show. Like, what are you doing? Um, I mean, obviously it did survive, but I just remember there were a lot of talks about what exactly Arrow was doing and whether it was worth continuing to watch. And um, that's not the type of talk you want from a cliffhanger. Mm -mm, absolutely not. And the, the decision is so like awkward. It's kind of become that thing we don't talk about. Um, because like even in, when the show ended, Oliver saved the multiverse and started a new multiverse. So everyone who died on the show ever was brought back. But they couldn't bring Laurel back because we had evil turned good Laurel. Um, so the reason they kept Black Siren on the show was hopefully to launch Green Arrow and the Canaries. That didn't happen. So I love Evil Laurel without a doubt. But why would Oliver bring everyone back, his mother back, his best friend back, everyone, who, even his sister who was a bad guy? Why would Oliver bring everyone back in the new multiverse, but not his first love, who he was horrible to and treated like dirt? That doesn't make sense to me. That's it's It's just it's a big blemish on Arrow's otherwise pretty solid run. 
and you all did this for a soap like cliffhanger that like now i alluded to this but i'll say it dynasty did so much better i guess it's a cautionary tale not to do cliffhangers just to just to do them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or maybe not even a cliffhanger just like a plot twist i think that's a good that's a good um uh, not synonym a good companion term for a cliffhanger a plot twist Mm -hmm. Mm. which they can be quite delicious they can be quite great they can also be absolute trash yeah i think so that's probably a topic for another time the plot twist the best plot twists we've ever seen on a cw show but before we wrap up this episode of cliffhangers i do want to extend the opportunity to our audience to tell us what their favorite cliffhangers have been what the worst cliffhangers they've ever been subjected to have been and then what you would define a cliffhanger as like what Mm -hmm. is your definition yeah i hope i don't know if we came to any conclusions here i don't know if that was the purpose of this conversation conversation but hopefully we said something that helps further define cliffhanger kind of like bring us back into the same area of what a cliffhanger actually is i don't know mm-hmm. it's an ongoing conversation yeah yeah <laughs> it's an ongoing conversation and like we did say that based on the definition it wasn't as clear cut as you think and i think we did a good job highlighting all the different versions of cliffhangers you can get or open endings or plot twists all of the above um and it'll be an ongoing yeah, maybe conversation it's a tier. maybe there's yeah. different tiers mm-hmm. of cliffhangers yes i think so um but not getting to see the absolute like trajectory of a relationship that you love is not a cliffhanger i'm just gonna mm-hmm. leave that one on the table if the story was wrapped it was wrapped you don't need to see the house the picket fence the child and dog I promise you it's going to be boring. (laughs) (laughs) Shows me drama. (laughs) That's it for this episode, you guys. Thank you for listening. We're the CW Spiral. I'm Sabrina. I'm Michael. And I'm Reed. Bye, y'all.